Ah, thank you, team. Hey, choir, well done. Good to see you today. I think your number's growing again. Yeah, good group. Praise the Lord. Yeah, in the field back end to roll forward, and that's good. Praise the Lord for that. Take your Bible, go to Acts 18 today. Y'all doing all right? Say amen. Amen. I've, I've been ready to preach. Somebody asked me this morning, said, well, are you ready? I said, well, I never know if I'm ready till I get done. I mean, I, you know, you, you don't know till it's over. Uh, but I thought I was, and the Lord moved, blessed us in the early service, and uh, pray you've come today uh, ready to hear from God and uh, take action. Uh, sharing a message today out of the life of the Apostle Paul, simply entitled, uh, Paul, an ambassador for the gospel. An ambassador for the gospel. And we found him last week. You remember, we're preaching through the book of Acts. We got him to Corinth. He was there a year and a half, 18 months, the Bible says. And he stayed, and he's ready now to leave Corinth. And he's making his way back to Jerusalem, Antioch. Uh, for the end of the second missionary trip, and then Antioch is going to launch him again for the third missionary journey uh, that will be life-altering, not only for the world and the gospel, but for the preacher, the Apostle Paul, and we'll be preaching through uh, that text in weeks to come. But today we're leaving Corinth, and I just want us to look at this ending and then learn some things about Paul and apply them to our life and see what God might be about. So we're in Acts 18, beginning in verse 12. You follow along as I read. Uh, We uh, were there a year and six months in verse 11, as you see in Corinth. But now he's ready to leave. And the Bible says in verse 12, But while Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord stood up against Paul and brought him before the judgment seat. They were saying, This man persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. So the Jews were coming to the pro-council and and saying, you got to do something about this. He's preaching outside of our Old Testament law. Verse 14, but when Paul was about to open his mouth, can you see this? He's just drawing breath. Paul's about to open his mouth, and Gallio said to the Jews, he jumped in front of him, if it were a matter of wrong or a vicious crime, O Jews, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you. But if there are questions about words and names and your own law, look after it yourself. I'm unwilling to be a judge of these matters. And he drove them away from the judgments. He get out of here, wasting my time. And they, these Jewish leaders, all took hold of Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and began beating him in front of the judgment seat. Sosthenes had allowed Paul to speak. And Sosthenes later would become a follower of Christ himself. But Gallio was not concerned about any of these things. Paul, verse 18, having remained many days longer, took leave of the brethren and put out to sea for Syria. And with him were Priscilla and Aquila. In Centuria he had his hair cut, for he was keeping a vow. They came to Ephesus, and he left them there. That is, he left Priscilla and Aquila there. Now he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And when they asked him to stay for a longer time, he did not consent. But taking leave of them and saying, I will return to you again if God wills, he set sail for Ephesus. And when he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and went down to Antioch. Paul, an ambassador for the gospel. 
We know the word ambassador in our culture. A country will appoint you as their representative to another country. The United States would have an ambassador to Mexico, an ambassador to Italy, representing our nation with another. Those nations have representatives to our nation. Their ambassador comes our way. But Paul said in his second letter to this church in Corinth, to these Corinthians, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 20, therefore he said, after talking about the gospel, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. Paul said, we not just myself, but all of us are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, God has made us, not just the preacher, ambassadors, representatives of Christ, of the gospel to the world, as if God himself were appealing through us and saying, come, come and be reconciled unto God through Christ, the cross, the empty grave, and the occupied throne, that Jesus is Lord, King of kings, and Lord of lords. We are to be his ambassadors. Paul was the ambassador. This, this word ambassador is presbyro. We get our word elder or maturity or older out of that word, but also the word ambassador in its root comes there. This is one who is seasoned. He, he knows the things about a country and so he can represent. Well, we are seasoned and God grows us and makes us to be the ambassador of the gospel of the Christ. We are called to gospel mission. Olive should be gospel drenched. And we should be a gospel-functioning people. The gospel should be on our lips, on our fingertips. The gospel should be exemplified through our life that people would see Christ in us and hear the gospel through us. And we should be ambassadors of the Lord. Paul was, and so should we be. So let's learn some things from Paul's life of how he was an ambassador and then apply it to all of us individually and collectively as a church. What do we learn about Paul in this farewell movement from Corinth back to Jerusalem and then to Antioch? Well, number one, we find that Paul made disciples. If you're going to be an ambassador, you must be a disciple maker. Notice in, in our text, uh, in verse 18, Paul, having remained many days longer, took leave of the brethren. He put out to sea for Syria. And with him were Priscilla and Aquila. You know, we met them. They were the first people Paul met when he came to Corinth, all alone, by himself, no companions. Paul walks in the city, and the first people that he gets to know are Priscilla and Aquila. They are tent makers. We, we found that uh, over in the early part of this chapter. In chapter 18, we find him uh, coming and living in their house. And he worked with them because Paul was a tent maker. They were tent makers, and they became friends. Now, were Priscilla and Aquila Christians before Paul met them? Don't know. We do know that they were believers because Paul took them, and then he's going to leave them, and then they are going to be, oh my, 
Next week, we will find Priscilla and Aquila at their finest as they help one of the most eloquent preachers ever to grace the earth, Apollos. They taught him the greater things of Christ. He only knew the baptism of John. And they're going to teach him the baptism of Jesus and the baptism of the Spirit. And he's going to know greater than he ever knew. But he was so powerful. And Priscilla and Aquila became those that helped him. Understand, we must be disciple makers. Paul, I believe, led Aquila and Priscilla uh, to Christ. And, and these two then uh, were with Paul in Corinth. Then he took them with him and left them at Ephesus, that great Ephesian church where Paul would write my favorite book, Ephesians, back to that church at Ephesus. And there they would learn so much they would leave them as church planters. Hear me, church. If we're going to be ambassadors, we must be disciple makers. How do we do that? Well, we win people to Christ. We teach them of Christ. We mature them in the faith. And then we kick them out. And send them. You win somebody to faith in Jesus. As a high schooler, you win them to Christ. You train them up, and then you see them come to maturation, and they're growing in their faith. They're not full grown. You're not full grown till you go to heaven. But they're growing. And then they go off to ABC University, and we kick them out and say, go and be on mission. We do the same thing on our Warrington campus. We win these young military people, many of them out of the U.S. Navy, and win them and grow them for the time they're here. And then we commission them and send them out around the world. Many of them to Norfolk, Virginia, where they go. We trade so many members back and forth. Some to Corpus Christi. We send them out, and here they go. I called three couples yesterday visiting down at Warrington Campus. Many of them map makers and navigators and some pilots, all different kinds of people. We win them. We grow them. We mature them and send them out. You say, well, I'm not going anywhere. Oh, yes, you do. Wherever you work, at Navy Federal, you're an ambassador. In the school, you're an ambassador. At the business that you run, as people come in and out of your door, you're an ambassador. They come in. You're not there to make money. You're there to make disciples. Making money is just a side job. You can't take the money with you. These folks you win are going with you. Some of us are so weighed down with a sack of gold. I don't know if God can even rapture us off the earth or not. Because we're holding on. We've got to be giving, using our places so that we can win and mature and train and teach and then send people. And our church must be doing the same in sending you. How do we become ambassadors? Number one, Paul made disciples. Number two, Paul kept his vows. Paul, look at it right here in the text. It's the most interesting. You find just one little snippet in, in verse 18. In Chinchuria, they, they went down. Uh, leaving Corinth, they, they come to uh, get on the ship, but before they uh, put out to sea, the Bible says they came to Centuria and he had his hair cut, for he was keeping a vow. What in the world? 
We go to number six, and you hear about the vow of the Nazarite, and the Nazarite vow is you didn't cut your hair while you had uh, the vow of the Nazarite. Some people had that their whole life, the vow of the Nazarite. Never cut their hair their whole life. But there were times that they would keep that, and they'd have that vow of the Nazarite uh, for a while. They'd drink no wine. As a matter of fact, Numbers says they did not even eat the, the seed or the peeling of the grape, let alone drink the wine. And so they would not cut their hair. But when they did cut it, they would burn it as an offering in Jerusalem back to the Lord. People say, well, here's Paul. He's take the, taken the vow of the Nazarite. Well, no, I don't think so. There are other kind of vows. There were vows before the law. The first vow, I studied the word vow every place it's read. I read it this week. Every time the word vow is used in the Bible, I read it, looked at it, turned it upside down, looked it over. The very first vow in the Word of God is Jacob in Genesis 28, 20, 21, and 22, where Jacob made a vow and said, if God be with me and will keep me on this journey, if God will be with me on this journey I'm taking, and if he'll give me food to eat, and he'll give me garments to wear, I'll return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone, look at this, this stone which I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. The first vow ever made in the Bible was to be a tither. This is before the law. Jacob said, if the Lord will give me clothes to wear and food to eat, if the Lord will just take care of me, I will give a tenth of all I've got. That was the first vow. He, he made his promise unto God. Vows, there are modifying words in the Old Testament. Some vows were said to be special. Some vows were said to be difficult. But they were promises made to God, oftentimes just like Jacob, in a crisis, uh, almost a bargaining chip in the Old Testament. They say, Lord, if you'll do this, I'll do that. Lord, if you'll take care, I'll do this. Just like Jacob, Lord, if you'll feed me, clothe, take care of me, I will bring the tithe all the days of my life. Psalm 116, verses 14, 116 and Verse 18 says the same thing. I will pay my vows to the Lord. Oh, may it be in the presence of all his people. Then in verse 18, he says it again. I shall pay my vows unto the Lord. Oh, may it be in the presence of all his people. We, we are to give our, not just our word. The word is the vow. Then the action follows. I want to ask you today. What kind of promise have you made to God that you're no longer keeping. Pay your vow. The Koheleth said in Ecclesiastes, it's better never to vow than to vow not pay. The only place we know vows are we talk about the marriage altar. I have people all the time. Because, Pastor, we've been married 25 years. We want to renew our vows. I had a whole class, 20-something couples. Uh, they'd been married all these years, senior adult group, and a few months back. And they said, we, we want a, you to come to our social and be there. And we want a, every couple, all of us, we want to renew our wedding vows. And I thought, well, that'd be all right. It's cool. It's not wrong to renew your vows. So I did it, and they all said it. I don't know how many of them lied, but they all said the words. They renewed their vows. It's not bad to renew your vows. Matter of fact, if you vowed something to God you're no longer doing, you need to renew them. You need to run to this altar today and renew your vows. But when you make a vow, you, you keep it. You, you pay it. That's how Paul was an ambassador. What he promised God, he did. I, I found the most interesting place for vows in the book of Jonah. 
In Jonah chapter 1 and verse 16, the storm is there. And Jonah said, if you throw me over, everything will be good. And the men, the sailors, feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. <laughs> they, they chunked old Jonah in the sea. Said, Lord, if you'll stop this storm, they made their vows. Well, what were their vows? We're not certain what their vows were, but I guarantee you they said, Lord, we'll serve you if you just get us to shore. I found that most interesting. But more interesting than that, after they threw Jonah in the ocean, you go to chapter 2 and verse number 9, Jonah made a vow. He didn't make a vow on the boat. He made a vow in the middle of the fish's belly. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Jonah's down there, seaweed wrapped around his neck, stinking. Some of you remember Dave Paxton. He's in heaven today. Dave used to put together out in the parking lot for back-to-school retreat. He'd make a fish, Jonah, and he'd teach the book of Jonah, and he'd put up a big tarpaulin. It was huge, and he'd put sardines all in there. Stink? Oh, my goodness, did it Stink. He said, Pastor, come out here. I want you to help me teach. I said, I didn't think this up. I ain't doing it. No, sir. You teach. I could smell it from the office. He'd run those teenagers through there, and I guarantee you those that were taught the book of Jonah didn't near forget it. Guarantee you. Jonah made his vow. If you made a vow, mm-hmm. We've all made vows. I remember making a vow when I was 17 years old. God called me to preach, and I, I can take you to the very spot. If they'd let me back in the house, I could take you to the spot on the floor where I knelt, and I said, Lord, I will go anywhere. I will do anything. I will give up anybody. I will give up anything or to be in the center of your will. Amen. That was my vow to God. Now, don't think me spiritual. Lord, I'll do anything. I never had done anything. I'll go anywhere. I never had to be anywhere. Lord, I'd give up anything. I didn't have anything. Lord, I'd give up anybody. I was an only kid. I, I didn't have nothing. Oh, but now I have to pay my vow and I have to pray that prayer. Lord, I go anywhere. Hmm. Really? I'd do anything. Hmm. I give up anybody. Lord, use my kids. Just keep them in Northwest Florida. I give up anything. Oh, Lord, some of those things are precious. You know, sometimes you hold on to things and they're the, it's just so hard. I met a little girl out in Texas where I was preaching for her daddy, and she is a super basketball player. And as I was flying back, I believe God told me to send her a book. It was the first book I ever had in my library. They Call Me Coach by John Wooden. I hadn't read it in years, but I go back through there and look. He said, ship that to that little girl. I said, Lord, just let me send her some money. No, send her the book. I said, I don't want to. He said, we're not having a, a dialogue here. <laughs> just send a book. So we shipped it. Friend, when God tells you and you promise, keep your vow. And when you do, the Lord will provide and you will become his 
ambassador. Paul made disciples. Paul kept his vow. Number three, Paul did God's will. Amen. Look at it right here in the text. He got to Ephesus in verse 19. He left Priscilla and Aquila there. He entered into the synagogue, reasoned with the Jews. And when they asked him to stay for a longer time, he did not consent, but taking leave of them and saying, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail. He set sail from Ephesus. Understand that every offer you get is not the will of God. It could have been the will of God for him to stay in Ephesus. He will come back later. But the timing was not right. And Paul said, no, I'm not staying now. It's not the will of God. But if God wills, I'll return. And God did will and he did return. But not every invitation is God's will. We must learn to walk in God's will and God's way. Jesus said in that great prayer that we often pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy what? Thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Not as it is in your heart, but what God says. God's will be done. He said it in Luke 22 in verse 42 when he's in the garden and he's praying and he's saying, Father, if you're willing to remove this cup, I, oh God, remove the cup from me, yet not my will. Yours be done. Hebrews chapter 10, two different times, the last time in verse number 9. The writer of Hebrews, whoever that was, the writer of Hebrews puts in the words of the Old Testament into the mouth of Jesus, Father, I have come to do your will. I have come to do your will. Amen. Friend, you'll never be an ambassador until you've come to do the will of God. Not what you want, not what the preacher wants, not what your mama wants, what God wants. He said, Pastor, I'd do the will of God if I knew how. I'm glad you've asked. Here's how you do the will of God. You line these three things up, you'll find the will of God in your life. Number one, get a Bible truth, a Bible promise. Find out what God's, he never goes contrary to his word. If you think God's spoken to you, but it's contrary to the word of God, you just ate bad pizza last night. Okay? I, I'm telling you, the, the will of God, you, you find it in the word of God. Secondly, counsel. There's victory in a multitude of counselors. Find a Bible promise, counselors, and then thirdly is the affirmation of the Holy Spirit within your life. He gives a peace that passes all understanding. Let the peace of God rule. That word is the same word for umpire. Let him say out or safe, in or out, yes or no, go or stay. The Spirit of God will come with Bible truth, multitude of counselors, and with affirmation of the Spirit of the living God, and you will be settled to say, that is the will of God for my life. Forty days from now, I'll be preaching not here that morning. Sean will preach that day. I'll be preaching at the Pisgah Baptist Church. Hadn't been there many years to preach. I'm going home, preach a revival, Sunday through Wednesday. I have a little cousin up there. He's a pastor. He's where excited for you to come. I'm going to be coming over to the church. He, and, and he said this to me. I, I couldn't figure it out. He, he said, you know, when you come home and preach, it's a big deal. I said, what do you mean? I said, I don't, I don't understand. He said, it's just a big deal. 
He said, we love you. And you went off and you pastored that church and, and God used you and you come home to our little country. It's a big deal. And let me tell you, if you think what you do is a big deal, you've missed it. I looked at him, I said, what? It's, I said, when I come home, it's not a big deal because my mother's there and she makes me understand you're not a big deal. <laughs> oh, my mother. She's over here in this retirement village just a f- few months ago. Uh, they, they show our service over there every Sunday morning. They show it on the big screen theater, and mother was eating breakfast, and one of the nurses came by, and she told me later, said, Miss Trailer, come on. Said, said, the pastor's about to preach. Brother Ted's going to be on the screen. Said, she just kept eating her cereal, and she looked up and said, I've heard him before. <laughs> Nobody like your mama. Amen. You, you got to get over thinking you're a big deal. Just do the will of God. Sometimes he'll take you to the mountaintop. Sometimes he'll put you in the valley below. I'm just here to tell you, find what God says, do and go. And when you do, the touch of God will make you an ambassador. And you'll speak not your message, but God's message in your life. If you're going to be God's ambassador, be like Paul. Make disciples. Be like Paul. Keep your vows. Be like Paul. Do God's will. Number four, very quickly, be like Paul because Paul, oh, praise God, Paul loved the church. He loved the church. He, he left on that ship after he cut his hair, went across to Ephesus and stayed a few days after he left Ephesus. He went down to Caesarea And the Bible says in verse 22, when he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and went down to Antioch. Now, that's all backwards when you you get there and we think that you go down when you go south. Well, that's our thinking. But he got to Caesarea. He went south, but he went up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem, you always go up to the three hills of Jerusalem, up to Mount Zion. You go up to the hill of God. And he went up to the church, and the Bible says that he greeted the church. The Bible says he saluted, the King James says, that he saluted the church. And then he left there, and he went north. We would have said he's going up, but he's really going down. He left Jerusalem and went down to Antioch in southern Turkey. When you see it on your map, just a little indention, it comes down. Antioch is right there. That's the mother church. That's the mother church. It's where it all started. It's where Paul is headed back to. Friend, hear me. If you're going to be an ambassador, you got to love the church. Love the church. This word greet or salute can also be translated, and this is my favorite translation, embrace. Embrace the church. Warts and all, embrace it. What's it mean? Well, you join the church. Some of you need to join the church today. You need to come put your membership. You need to join. Some of you need to come be baptized to join the church. Some of you need to get saved and join the church. Embrace the church. After you join it, you love it. Amen. You love the church. Then you support it. Your gifts, your talents, your tithe, your efforts. You support it. Then you grow it. You bring your friends. We're 62 days to Easter. Everybody ought to bring a friend on Easter. We've got plenty of friends around us. And if I'm telling you, if any day of the year they'll come, they'll come on Easter. Invite your friends. We'll make the gospel clear. It'll be a great day. Just grow it. Bring it. And then be heart to heart. Be heart to heart. 
embraced the church. Antioch. He went down to Antioch. Antioch's where it all started. Did you know the church at Antioch does not exist? It died. Every church can die. Every local church can die. Olive can die. This church can die. You can have people coming and be dead. But churches just implode. It's what happened down at our Warrington campus. They used to run seven, eight, sometimes 900 people. They gave us that church. There were 13 people coming. They have nearly 300 down there this morning. God's revived the church. Building back. Because not only can a church die, a church can be revitalized. And it can grow again. One of the things I love about our friends from Bible Mission is that they're local church people. They won't ask you to send them money. Matter of fact, if you give them money today, they will give it to Jeremy Portman and, and the money will come through Ollie. That's the way they do work. I love them for many things. And one of the things I love them about is that they don't come try to get to know people in the church and then just suck life out of them. It all comes through the church, the way they do business. Is that Brother, Brother John? Amen. They've always told us that. And I like that. It makes us partners together. And of late, they've done a project that has really grabbed my mind. Gerhardt, come join me here. I want you to help me. You got this church in Antioch. It was the church that went out of business. And how did you guys get it? How did it come to be? Uh, we have an eastern part of Turkey in Diyarbakir. here. It's like the biggest city in the eastern part. There is a church that we partner for many, many years. And they have a church planting in Antioch. From the mother church of Diyarbakir, here, they went a couple to, to plant a church in Antioch. And they have done an incredible ministry over the last years and uh, are, are about to, to grow and to reach their, their people. How many people live in Turkey? 80 million people. All 80? Of, 80 million. 80 million. All over Turkey. All over Turkey. How many Christians are in Turkey? 8,000 Christians. 8,000. 8, How many Christians are in Antioch? In Antioch there are uh, 20 30, 30 members of the church. 30 members of the Antioch church now that, that is there. Yes. And so you guys have been working on this project because the, the church was in a cave. Yeah. 2,000 years ago when Paul and Barnabas were there, the church was meeting outside of the city. Right. Not in the city of Antioch. They had to go outside in a cave. And you can visit the place in yes. our days. But today the church is inside of the city. The church building is inside of the city of Antioch. And uh, they're worshiping, ministering inside. That's incredible. And you guys are helping build this structure for the church. Yes. Right now the church is, um, is gathering in a very like, small building, bad shape, uh, not enough space to minister to people to, and to bring people together for worship. And so they're, they're uh, building a new church building. But it's not only a church. It's a ministry center to serve the poor, to train and equip people, to come for, for worship together, to, to listen. And, okay, we got a picture of that thing, what, what you guys are working on. Here, here, this on the right side is the old building, right? Yes, where, where they have their, their services right now. The service is going on in that yellow building with the, it's got a blue tarp on it. Do we know what that is? I mean, hello. <laughs> uh, like a hurricane came through. Yeah. But on the other side is the new structure that Bible Mission is helping to build, right? Yes, right. And so there's one, two, three. It's like four levels. Four levels, and there will be a flat roof. You can sit on the top of the roof 
and have your quiet time, read the Bible, and amazing. drink tea. Drink tea and coffee. Yeah, <laughs> amen. So the bottom floor is what? It is a hope center. The so, hope center. It's like yeah. our ministry village where you help people. Yeah. So people come in and out. Second floor. It's an equip and training center. Where we equip and train. Third floor where we see the hole. Yeah, there's, um, there's uh, um, some rooms for youth ministry, kids ministry will be there. And then the top. The top floor, there will be the worship, uh, worship, worship space. Space for the whole church. You don't have to have walls in there so it can be open yes. like this. Yeah. So you guys are doing, how much does it cost to build that? So the, the church in Antioch, they bought the land. Right. And uh, the building itself costs 300,000 euro to build the. Euro. Building. Euro, yeah. You have any idea how many dollars that is? Uh, it must be. One to one, almost right now. Is it one to one? Yeah. I may want to deal a little bit before you leave, but. <laughs> so, how much money have you got? So, God, God gave so far about 150, 200,000. Okay. That is uh, right So, now you're this. somewhere around 100,000 short, right? Yes. Something yeah. like that? For now. We are praying, and God will. Well, I gave Paul $50,000 in the early service to go to build that building. Hallelujah. And I'm going to give you another 50000 in this room. No <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Well, my people, my people know me well. I am about the tightest guy in this outfit. But I love to give their money away. All right? And I do that all the time because they hand me and I give it away. But at the end of 2022, I had a gentleman who called me on New Year's Eve. And he said, I have a gift I want to give. Can we get it in, in time? And uh, I said, well, I think we can. And I got on the horn and we got that money sent over. And what I'm giving you is a portion, a big portion of what that gentleman gave me. And he said to me, he said, Pastor, you do with this whatever you think is the best way for the kingdom to be blessed. And I've just been hanging on to that and uh, thinking about it. And I heard this story, and I've been grinding, and you guys have invited me to come and dedicate that building and preach in it. And I don't know if that's the will of God for me to come, but we'll find out. We'll ask Paul. Uh, not that Paul. We'll, we'll, <laughs> but we still invite you. We yes, still invite oh, you yes, I understand. <laughs> and I want to come if, if it's the mind of the Lord uh, for me to be there. But we want to help you. Uh, to do that very thing. Uh, again, that, that's a special gift came to our church, and I've just been sitting on it. And so when I gave Paul 50, I was in my mind. I said, Lord, should I give them the whole thing uh, of, of doing? So I sat on the front row, and I got a text from the meanest deacon in this church. <laughs> and he said, Pastor, I really thought you were going to say $100,000 today. And I texted him back and I said, I'm not finished preaching yet. <laughs> and I was debating and I just felt that was the Spirit of God lining up those three things in my life. I have the money, the Bible says to give. Uh, there's a need there. Uh, I got a deacon counsel, mean deacon, but a counselor. And then I just sat there and I sensed in my heart, we all just pay for this, John, and get this done and be able to build that building. We love you, man. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Praise His For name. For His glory. Amen. It's all about Him. Amen. So bless the Lord. 
we'll, we'll take it from, from Antioch. I mean, they're right on the border of Syria, the gospel goes. You just take a short hop, you're in Iran, all through Turkey. East and West Turkey altogether different. It, it's a jumping off. Paul knew what he was doing when he put a church in Antioch because it goes to the world. And we're praying it once again goes to the world from that place. One of the things we can do, we're able to, because God's blessed us, and we're able to be a part of that uh, in these days. Love the church, this church, that church. You need to embrace the church. In just a moment, we sing an invitation song. This is God's appeal. God says to somebody in this room today, you need to know the Lord. You're in that balcony. You just need to step out and come say yes to Jesus. Somebody needs to come renew a vow today. Lord, I've just slipped away. I'm coming home. Somebody needs to come put their membership in this church today. Say, Lord, I'm coming. The early service, there's a man and his wife knelt right over there. I went and talked to him. I knew what was going on. He had almost died. I, I, he may have been to this altar before, but I'd never seen him in it. He was in this altar this morning. I went over and hugged him. I said, come to renew some vows. He said, yes, sir, Pastor. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. God's blessed. Been good in my life. Saved my life. I'm coming home today. Maybe you need to come home. I don't know what God's speaking into your heart. You just act as the Spirit of God calls you to act today. Come. Trust Him. He loves you. He'll save you. Come. Be a part of the family. We, we receive you. We love you. Come. Make sure you're right here so you can go as an ambassador out there. We're on our feet all over this room. We're standing. John's singing. Spirit of God's wooing us and calling us. Come.